So another warm welcome to you. This morning, my name is Mark. I'm one of the leaders here at Christ Central Church. And uh, I'm excited this morning. It's been a great time of worship and uh, really looking forward to what God's going to do in the rest of our time together. I just think that last uh, song that we were singing, Spirit of God, breathe on your church, pour out your prayer. It's like, yes, God. Yes, God. That's what we're looking for. We're looking for God to move powerfully. You know, what's the point of gathering if it's not about worshiping God, glorifying him, and wanting his presence amongst us? That's what we're uh, here for. So we're excited. I'm excited because we've got uh, Ginny and Stuart Bergen uh, uh, here from Sheffield, England. And Sheffield is my home church where I was. Um, it's not my home church now, but it was my home church uh, when I was at home in Sheffield. Now I'm at home in Fredericton, been here for uh, almost two years. So, um, but Ginny and Stuart were from, uh, are from my church that I used to be part of in, uh, in Sheffield. And uh, yesterday Ginny was speaking to some people on prophecy. Tonight she's going to be looking at uh, the gift of tongues with us. So as uh, Ollie said, do come out uh, as well. Stuart's here with us. Stuart's a big Sheffield Wednesday supporter. You probably haven't heard of that soccer team. Um, but uh, that's his soccer team. It was my soccer team as well. And uh, they actually have just been playing during the worship time. If you saw that Stuart wasn't engaged, he's probably checking the score. He'll be pleased to know, he'll be pleased to know they won 3-0. So, uh, you know, it's good news all around. <laughs> I've just checked it for Stuart. It's, you know, that's why I did it. <laughs> yes, yeah. That's when the arms went in there <laughs> from Stuart, not from me. Um, okay, well, anyway, enough of that. We'll, uh, <laughs> we'll move on. This is dangerous this morning because this morning I'm only going to give 10 minutes uh, uh, introduction, really, preach for 10 minutes and then hand over to Ginny. But for the first time ever, I've forgotten my notes when I'm preaching. So Dave Laver said, that's dangerous. You could just be saying all sorts of things. <laughs> it's true. But we're going to try and stick to the Bible. So <laughs> what was that? <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, we've been looking at the Gospel of Mark the last few months that I've been preaching, and we're up to Mark chapter 6. We're just going to look at a few verses today. Uh, last time when I was preaching, we looked at how uh, the story of when Jesus walked on the water to his disciples who were struggling in the boat against the wind and the waves. They were battling, and uh, really, uh, it seemed as though Jesus didn't care about them, perhaps, to them. Uh, even though he'd just done this amazing miracle of the feeding of many, many thousands of people. And uh, so they're in the boat. Jesus finally gets to them in the boat. And then we read these last few verses in Mark chapter 6. I'm just going to read from Mark chapter 6 and verse 53, which says, When they had crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret and anchored there. As soon as they got out of the boat, people recognized Jesus. They ran throughout that whole region and carried the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he went, into villages, towns, or countryside, they placed the sick in the marketplaces. They begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak. And all who touched it were healed. All right, so we have Jesus. He gets to um, this town. It wasn't the town that they'd originally anticipated going to. They wanted to get to Bethsaida, 
Um, but probably the wind had blown the boat, this wind that was against the disciples the whole time. It had probably blown the boat to a different place, and they ended up getting to this place, Gennesaret, um, which Jesus, we d as far as we know, he hadn't been um, healing and delivering people in that town before. He'd been there. There was a story in one of the Gospels about how he calls some of the disciples who are fishing there. But um, it says here that as soon as he got out of the boat, people recognized him. So he's been there before. This is Jesus. But they'd heard about what had been happening. They'd heard about the healings that had been going on. They'd probably heard about the deliverance that had been going on. And so word had spread. Word had spread, and they were excited to see him. And so quickly, they run into all of their different households, and they look for the people who are sick, and they come and they bring them out. Maybe they're on uh, beds, mattresses, mats, whatever it is. It says they carry them to wherever Jesus was. It says they carried the sick on mats. This passage always makes me laugh a little because um, the word sick in the UK is commonly the word that use, is used for vomit. And uh, when I was um, reading this passage to my daughter a number of years ago now, um, and I said they carried the sick on mats, she was just looking totally repulsed. And I said, well, what's the matter? She goes, why are they carrying sick on mats? She said, what is going on? And I was like, no, 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 it's not. <laughs> it's sick people, sick people on mats. Um, but anyway, they, they come and they carry everyone who is sick and not well, and they, they just want him to get near Jesus. And again, it says um, they, they begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak, and everyone who touched it was healed. It's not as though there's anything special about his cloak. It's not as special anything about the, the tassels on his robe or whatever it was. Um, it was the person who was inside the cloak who was special. Nothing special about the cloak. Um, sometimes we can get hung up on a number of things, and we, and we can think if we're praying for people to be healed, um, well, maybe, maybe we've got to get the words right. Maybe we've got to say the right things. Maybe we've got to do the right things. Maybe we've got to stand in the right, make sure we put our hands on the person's head or, or the right, I don't know. And, and some of those things are good things to do, and of course, we always pray in Jesus' name, but, but it, it's not as though there's anything special about all the peripherals, all the things on the outside. What we're doing, though, is we're coming to the one who can bring life. We're coming to the one who heals. We're coming to the one who saves. And it's Jesus who can do all of those things. So this morning, what we're going to do in a moment, I'm going to invite Ginny up. And uh, Ginny has got a, a, a story, a testimony of healing, a story about how God has worked in her life, a story about how God has brought healing to her. Now, why are we, we going to tell this story? Why have we asked her to, to say this? Well, one of the things that we see in this passage is that faith was raised because of what people had heard Jesus had already done. They'd heard that Jesus had already healed people, and so their faith was raised to the extent where they said, come on, we've got to get these people, these friends and relatives of ours, we've got to get them to Jesus. And we're believing that if we get them to Jesus, they'll be healed too. And actually, they were. They were. Jesus was bringing about the kingdom. The kingdom was advancing. And one of the signs of the kingdom is healing. Because 
in, when the kingdom comes in its fullness, and we'll read about this in a moment, when, when Jesus returns and the kingdom comes about fully, there won't be any sickness. And so healing was a sign of the kingdom advancing. It was a sign that Jesus was the Messiah. It was a sign that Jesus was God. And people are beginning to see something of that. Maybe they don't all see it clearly. Maybe they've just heard, this is the guy who heals people. So they're bringing people to him. Faith has been raised because of the stories that have gone around. They've heard all about him. And the whole region is getting to hear about him. Many, many people are coming. So there's two things that we're really looking to see happen um, today in this gathering as, as I'm just preaching for a few minutes and then as Ginny brings her story just before we lead into praying. We're looking to see faith rise because faith rises when we hear something that God's done. I encourage you as you're listening this morning, allow faith to stir within you. We're coming to God. God is here. God is here by his Holy Spirit. And so we can come expecting that we will see signs of the kingdom. We may not see everyone healed, but I'm believing that we will see people healed here this morning. Perhaps people healed of significant things that they've been battling and struggling with for many, many months or years. Allow faith to rise. And the second thing that we want to see happen and we're praying will happen is that people will actually come to a greater understanding of who Jesus is and will come to know him and will come to be saved. That's an expression we often use, to be saved. To come into a living relationship with Jesus where actually we know that our sins are forgiven and that we have been reconciled to God and we have a living relationship with God and we can be filled with his Holy Spirit. See, the, in this passage actually it doesn't say that Jesus was teaching as well as healing people. But in many of the passages, that does happen. That Jesus combines his preaching, his, his healing and deliverance with teaching. Because he's wanting people to not just go away with a physical healing. I mean, we can go away with a physical healing. Perhaps today you might have come and you might be one of the people who've even heard that we're going to be praying for the sick today. And so maybe you've come today and you, and you haven't regularly been to our meetings. Maybe you don't even know what it means to be saved. What, what does that expression mean? But you can receive far more than a physical healing this morning. You know, you can receive a physical healing and we can praise God for that and we can say, that's amazing. And we can go out of here and maybe we can, we can walk properly when we couldn't do before. We can move our arms or, or we're healed of some, um, <coughs> some, something that's oppressing us in our minds. But in the end... If we leave it at just that, we're going to get sick again. One day we're going to get sick to the extent where we die. And then that will be the it in terms of our relationship with Jesus. God wants us to come to far greater than that. God wants to bring us into a relationship with him, which will give us eternal life, which will mean that we never have to be sick again. We read in uh, Revelation chapter 21, Revelation tw 21, about what it will be like when Jesus' kingdom fully comes. And it says this in verse 3 and 4. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. 
He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. There's a day coming when all sickness, sin, suffering, mourning, death, sadness will be dealt with, will be gone. Right now, we're living in this period where Jesus has come. The kingdom is advancing, but it's not fully here. So we live in this tension. We still carry about frail bodies which are going to go wrong. We still suffer. We still mourn. We're still sad. But yet we can know the presence of God breaking into our lives from time to time. And we can know God ourselves. So I pray that you will know not just God's healing this morning, not just a touch, but know the presence of God in your lives, to be able to come to a point of saying, actually, I understand more. And maybe this is just the start of understanding why Jesus came and dwelt among us, why he died on the cross, so that our sins could be forgiven, so that he could bear the punishment, how his resurrection to new life showed that death has ultimately been defeated and will be defeated in us too. That's what we're looking to see. That's what Jesus came for. So as I invite Ginny up right now, allow faith to rise. Allow us to be stirred. We're going to be praying for people at the end of this, but for now, I will hand you over to Ginny. Come on, welcome her. Let's welcome her. I'm not normally blue in colour. I'm just adjusting to the temperature. <coughs> yeah. Um, you know, I was sort of worshipping with you all earlier, and we sang a song, He give us and give us and give us again. And sometimes I think we think um, he might possibly give once. But he's an abundant God. He pours out in abundance. He gives and gives and gives again. And um, last night in what we were doing, we kept looking at Hebrews. And I was reminded of that verse that says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Um, faith is about seeing the things that are not seeing come about and become substance. And that includes healings, that includes the miraculous, that includes seeing things happen that in our normal walking life we would perhaps never see happen. Um, and I just felt that as I was worshipping there and thinking, oh God, what is it that you want to say to this church? I felt that I could see this kind of dry stone wall. Um, I don't know if you have them in Canada, no? Well, in England, um, the kind of have each farmer has a, a, a wall around his field and it's called dry stone because there's no mortar or cement between the stones. It's just carefully put together in a manner where it all holds together. And um, I felt as if I could see someone, I could, could see you like this dry stone wall and there were hands coming down and 
kind of readjusting some of the stones and there was one or two stones missing and one or two stones that had fallen fallen out. And they weren't particularly missing, but they'd fallen out of the wall and it was like some hands were repairing the wall. And I felt that some of the things that were being repaired and some of the things being put in was the expectancy to see supernatural things happen amongst you. That this is a day for experiencing the things of the spirit again. Um, and we can get very kind of cognitive, we can get very reasoning in our faith. We read the Bible and we read the stories and we uh, know what the Bible says and it all becomes kind of something that we believe but it's in our head. And I believe God's saying, oh, come on, it's time now to experience the stuff that's in your head. And the stuff that you read about Jesus and, you know, the Alpha talk would tell you that this 25% of the Gospels is about Jesus healing. Well, we don't want to just read it and know that that's what God, God did through Jesus on earth, but we want to believe that he still does it now today and that we can draw down something of our inheritance to come, that, that Mark read there about what is coming um, at that point when Jesus comes back or when I go to be with the Lord, there'll be no more tears and no more crying and no more pain. But actually, God allows us sometimes to kind of reach out into that and pull some of that into the now. And he, he builds our faith and he allows us to see something of our inheritance to come in our now. You know, if, if my daughter was struggling with something and we'd got the asset to enable her, we would give her that now. We wouldn't make her wait till we died. We would say, here, have it. And that's what God does. He can, comes and comes along and he gives and gives and giveth again. Um, so I want to tell you something of my story. I've, I've known God touched me in healing in many different ways, but I suppose um, the biggest and most significant has to do with my spine. Um, um, I kind of, late teens, early 20s, started experiencing problems with my neck and my legs. This was due to um, physical abuse in childhood. But at that time, it wasn't fully understood what was going on. I had, um, I had problems with my neck that caused me to have spasms down my arms. I couldn't use my arms very well. I uh, got pins and needles in my hand, my left hand. And um, the, the vertebrae were falling on top of one another and I had to wear a collar. First a, a little soft one and then one with a big screw in it. I've still got all these things. So Mark will tell you when I tell my story at home in the UK, I have a bag of props. Um, and I'll tell you what these are shortly, but these are all I could bring overseas. <laughs> um, so I wore these collars for a while, and basically that began to be the thing that held my head up. But then the problems with my legs developed, and I found I was struggling to walk. Some days I was, it was very, very painful. Other days there was no pain at all, but suddenly my legs would give way as if there was nothing there. And then I began to get back pain and so on and over the years it developed and developed uh, until I reached the point where I was almost housebound um, 
I was able to get out if someone came to the house, bundled me in their car and gave me a lift, maybe to the meeting on Sunday, but I couldn't sit on the hard seat. Um, I had to kind of take a seat. Um, I couldn't sit for very long because that made the pain worse. And I couldn't stand for very long because that made the pain worse. I was a very fidgety, annoying person to sit next to. And by this time, I'm, I'm having a kind of... I had a corset that looks like some form of Victorian torture. <laughs> and... Um, I had to put it on every day before I got out of bed and take it off only when I got in bed at night. And that one was kind of like a canvas thing with steel rods in it all the way around, stitched into it. And then down each side of the spine was these thicker steel rods. So that's what these are. Okay, so these went down either side of my spine, sewn, um, slotted into this corset along with all the stitched in ones. And they give slightly. But unless you enter the world's strongest man competition, they don't really bend. <laughs> and I wore that for a while, and then that wasn't uh, good enough, and I had to have a cast made, um, a solid cast. So I'm now wearing a collar and a solid cast that went from here at the back right down to here. And that just held me up. And by this time... I'm in my late 20s, and um, I can't feel my right leg. It's now totally dead. I have to kind of pull it behind me. Um, there's no feeling in it. So all my weight is on my left leg, so now I'm developing scoliosis of the spine, which is a sideways curve because, because I'm not walking straight. Um, I've got bladder and bowel problems because the nerves to those areas are... Um, sort of damaged and I can't do much for myself anymore so a friend came in to wash my hair twice a week uh, Stuart would sit me on a seat over the bath and go into jet wash mode uh, thinking he was washing the car like hose me down <laughs> and um, and this is how we survived I got a little one um, a little girl who was a few months old at this time and she is another miracle story and she was an answer to prayer but she's six months old and I can no longer pick her up um, and I think that was the hardest thing I couldn't do any housework um, people people I knew friends would come in and help um, so we just kind of survived from day to day Anyway, eventually, the doctors decided that I needed to have something done surgically because they said that I would end up being in a wheelchair before I was 40. At this point, I'm nearly 30. And they say, well, you're going to be in a wheelchair by the time you're 40, but in, in order to try and save the other leg from losing the feeling and everything in it, we were going to operate and try and stabilise the spine because... They discovered by this time that my back is broken in three places and the pieces of bone were pressing on nerves and that's what had damaged the nerves. And they thought they would fuse the spine and then they would do that in my neck after that. So uh, came the day when I had to have this surgery done 
And the surgery involved taking a piece of bone from the back of my hip. It involved removing all the damaged vertebrae from, from the kind of waist area down at the back. I'm going to be detailed because you need to hear the end of this story. <laughs> so if you, f if you feel your back, you've got all these knobbly bits, and those are called facet joints. Okay, I'm getting medical now. <laughs> and the facet joints were damaged quite badly, as well as these breaks. So they decided to remove all the facet joints from the, the waist down and take away the broken bits. And then they took bone grafting from the back of my hip and they put pins, steel pins or whatever they're made of, in my back to support it all. And the idea is that over, t over the months following this, bone graft grows up and you end up with one solid piece of bone so you don't have any joints anymore and the only way you can bend is by using your knees um, so I went through all that surgery it wasn't very pleasant it wasn't very easy but I got through it and we got through the recuperation process and we finally come to the point where I can go home and I've gone home in this cast until it all heals. And then after a few months, I was allowed to go back into the corset thing that has these steel rods in it, okay? I'm making sure you don't forget these. Um, and the, the surgery was successful in what it set out to do, which was to lower the level of pain that I was in and to try and stabilize my spine to prevent things getting worse. And at that level, it was successful. And in all that I'm doing today and all the praying for the sick, let's remember that God uses doctors and nurses and the medical profession. Uh, and so I don't want anyone to get the idea that I'm saying you don't go that route because they did an amazing job at mending me at that point as the best they could. Um, some months after that, um, over that time, I'm now talking about a 12-year time period, I had been prayed for multiple times by different people in the church. Gemma's grandfather is one of them. He was heading the church up at that time, and he prayed for me no end of times. And anyone that came to Sheffield with a healing ministry, um, her grandfather Ray would try and say come and pray for this lady and so all the well-known names with healing ministries had laid hands on me to the point where I thought I might lose all my hair um, and nothing had happened and some months after my operation we had uh, a bible week Stonely bible week or Downs bible week or whatever it was called then and I wanted to go so people helped me to get there but when I got there, the effort of getting there caused me to be completely rigid for two days in the caravan. And I laid there listening to the meetings and listening to them praying for the sick. And I even heard someone have a word of knowledge for someone with a bad back. And I couldn't even get off this bed to get there. And I laid there with kind of tears coming down thinking, God, you can do it. <laughs> you can do it. And so some people came to pray for me that day. And um, 
And the end result of that was that one, in, one of them said to me, we don't think you've got faith to be healed. Um, now, the faith is not something that comes from me. Faith comes from God. So be asking him now for faith. He is the giver of faith. I don't have to earn it or get it going in some way. He gives us faith. So after they'd gone, I thought, I prayed about that, and I thought about that, and I eventually came to the conclusion after praying about it all night that I think I did have faith. So the following day, I said to this guy, I was up and about a bit more, and I said to this guy, um, about what you said last night, I think I have got faith to be healed. Um, and, And when God does it, I will bend down and touch my toes. Well, this particular guy had seen an operation like mine in the course of his work, and he said, that is ridiculous. God does not do the unreasonable. (laughs) He may heal you, but you will not be able to bend down and touch your toes because that is unreasonable, and God doesn't do the unreasonable. (sighs) (laughs) So I just let it go. And then... Um, it was either later that year or the year after. Um, despite all this happening to me, I was getting words of knowledge for people to be healed. So I'd be sat on my special chair in the meeting and I would feel God giving me a word of knowledge for someone to be healed. And I would kind of hobble the best way I could to the front of the meeting and say... Um, As I did on one occasion, there's someone here who suffers from hay fever. And then this woman bounced up, it's me, it's me, it's me. And she ran to the front and we prayed for her and she was instantly healed of her hay fever and I hobbled back to my seat. Let me tell you, however ill you are, you can still pray for the sick. Because it's not related to you and your state, it's related to you and your faith. And God rewards faith. You know, it says in the Bible that um, we, those who come to him must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who love him. You know, he rewards us. And we have to believe that he is. So what does that mean? We believe that he's God and he's able and God can do the unreasonable as well as the reasonable. There's a guy in England called Guy Miller, and he said apostolic doctrine should not only be understood, but experienced. We want to experience God doing the unreasonable by the power of his spirit. Anyway, sorry, back to my story. (laughs) I, um, I, I ended up going to a conference with a lot of other people because I wanted to learn more about praying for the sick and this was a John Wimber conference you may have heard of him he had a very um, well-known healing ministry back in the 80s and 90s and he came to Sheffield so I went with a disabled friend to this conference now my friend was called Mavis and she'd had a stroke previously and her arm was kind of like this but in every other way she was better except her arm was like that And I was in the state that I told you about. I was still suffering quite a lot of pain. I still couldn't sit for very long or stand for very long. 
and I was still wearing my corset with these steel rods in it. Um, and we sat together in the section specially designated for disabled people, um, which was over this side in a hall like this. And the conference was called Signs and Wonders and Church Growth, and it ran from Tuesday to Friday, morning, afternoon and night, so it was very tiring, and halfway through the week, I felt like I couldn't carry on. It was that tiring. And I had to have help getting there all the time as well. So on mid midweek, I kind of thought, no, I'm not going. And then Mavis came with her husband and said, please, please keep coming, please come. So we went and came through the doors. And as we came through the doors, I felt something lift off me and I just felt the tiredness evaporate. And I just knew I was going to see something miraculous. So I convinced myself that I was going to see Mavis move her on. But I didn't tell her that. But I said to Mavis, Mavis, we're going to see a miracle tonight. Really, she said. So the meeting started, and the John Wimber meetings, <coughs> you, could always, you could almost time them, 45 minutes straight of praise and worship. And then a coffee break. <laughs> and then John Wimber would teach. And then a coffee break. And then you would do the stuff, as he called it. So we, we had 45 minutes of praise and worship, and during that time, I began to feel these strange sensations. And it felt as if someone was kind of pressing up and down my spine like this, but there was no one doing, touching me, no one was doing that. And then I started feeling a real heat developing at the base of my neck and in the site of the operation. It got hotter and hotter and hotter but it, it wasn't unpleasant. It felt a little bit like the heat therapy that I'd had in physio. And then I began to feel as if someone was pushing, uh, pushing around in my insides. And all this is going on in the praise and worship session. And we reached the coffee break time. And I sat down. And then I realised I'd been stood up for the entire 45 minutes of the praise and worship session, which was just wasn't heard of. And then we had the time when John Wimber spoke. I do not remember a word of what he said. <laughs> we had another coffee break. And I didn't want to move because all these sensations had got stronger and stronger and stronger. And I didn't want it to stop. And I had this thought that maybe if I went for a coffee, it would all stop. <laughs> So I stayed in my seat and Mavis went off for a coffee. And when she came back, she said to me, do you really think we're going to see a miracle tonight? And I looked at her and her arm's still like this. And I said, yes, Mavis. Um, and then Wimby said, we're going to do this stuff. And by this time, the sensations have got so strong that I'm, I'm asking myself, I wonder what is happening to my back. Now, I know that sounds as if you know, I'm a little bit thick, but the penny had not dropped. Um, I'm still thinking, I wonder what's happening to my back. And then my leg started getting pins and needles in it, in this right thigh. So my leg started becoming un uncomfortable and I needed to move it a lot. And I'd not been able to move my leg independently, 
you know, I hadn't been able to like move my ankle or um, go like that with my toes or anything like that <coughs> for years. But I needed to move my leg because the pins and needles were annoying me. And I found that I was starting to move it a little. The pen is still not dropped, okay? And then John Wimber said, right, now we're going to do the stuff, which meant we're going to pray. And so he, he asked people to stand up if they were in pain. Now, I was sat in the section for the disabled, so obviously just about everybody in that section stood up, including me. Um, and then he got people into groups and he asked them to start praying in groups. And <coughs> whatever happened, I ended up on my own. I was not being prayed for and I didn't get anywhere near anyone to pray for them. So I just thought, well, it doesn't matter. I can pray on my own. And so I closed my eyes and I put my hands in there and I started praying in tongues and I went somewhere, I don't know, off with God. And I lost the sense of where I was. I kind of um, was unaware of what was going on around me in my interaction with God. Meanwhile, and I'm relying now on third parties that were there, <laughs> apparently Wimber then said, you must look for what the Spirit is doing and pray for, go and pray. So he said, there's a lady there, you people around her, pray for her which was me, but I'm unaware. I'm kind of going on like this. Um, so the people did. And eventually, I came out of that and I kind of opened my eyes and there's people around me. Okay. And there's a man there face to face with me. I don't know what was wrong with him. His lip was pulled down at one side and his speech was slurred. And he said to me, God has healed your back. And I'd never met that, met that man before. So I, my f first thought was, how do you know I've got a bad back? My second thought was, like a light bulb is going on. Um, well, you've known all night that something's happening. And my third thought was the remembrance of saying to this guy, and when he does, I will bend down and touch my toes. Now you must realized that I'd had my spine totally fused so it didn't bend so I thought well there's only one way to find out and I got out of the the like cinema seats I got out of the into the aisle and I went like such and then I couldn't stop doing it over and over and over and over again and I thought I was saying to my friend but I wasn't saying, I was shouting. It must have been a shock or something. I'm saying, look, look, Mavis, I can't do this. And I did it again. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do this. And I did it again. And that's all I could do over and over and over. Look, I can't do this. And then this kind of thing. Um, so somehow, that I can't remember how, I ended up on the platform because this woman was going a bit loopy in the corner, shouting, I can't do this, and bending down. <laughs> Um, the place has ground to a halt to find out what's going on. And Wimber is going up and down with me. Why can't you do this? <laughs> Tell us why you can't do this. <laughs> and eventually it dawned on me that Wimber doesn't know why I can't do this, so I stop and I try to start telling the story. But I got to the bit about having a corset on and I thought, 
my my head is having a conversation with myself. Oh, you can't bend down with your corset on either. So you must have forgotten to put it on. And then part of me is thinking, but I always have to put it on. Of course I've put it on. And I'm going like this in my head to the point where I'd, I'd become quiet. I wasn't carrying the story on because I was trying to resolve in my head whether or not I put my corset on. And he's saying, come on, carry on. And um, in the end, I just had to know for myself whether or not I'd put my corset on. So uh, kind of forgetting that I was in front of 4,000 people. <laughs> I got hold of my clothing and I pulled it all up <laughs> to see that I had got it on. So I also bent down that night with these. Yeah? And they don't bend and they didn't bend in half and they haven't bent in half. There's no sign of them bending in half. So <clears throat> that kind of blew my mind. But the fact that I got a few spines seemed to have slipped my mind. Um, I went home that night, and after ringing people up about it and so on, I went to bed. The next morning I got up, I used the toilet normally, no issues anymore. I showered myself, I washed my own hair and dried it and everything. I got the vacuum cleaner out and I did a spring clean of the entire house. And what was more amazing than that, I got my daughter up and lifted her up, and she's now um, like nearly four, lifted her up and got her dressed and everything. And then we both, me and her, had a little walk to my GP so that I could go in his office and say, look at this, I can't do this. <laughs> um, and he conceded, he was a Hindu, so he had a, f a form of... Um, religion himself and he said God has done a miracle for you and I said yes I know now you could say that's an old story Ginny why are you telling us an old story yes it's a 30 year old story at that time the doctors told me I got the back of an old woman it's a it's a new story because it's new every morning every morning I bend down every morning I do everything Everything came back to that leg and I was able to move my toes and my ankle and my leg in a way that I couldn't. And the surgeon who I spoke to after that said he got absolutely no explanation for how that nerve had repaired itself because it was beyond repair when he went in there. And every morning I've done everything normally with full mobility. But... X-rays didn't show any changes. And on the follow-up X-rays after that, you could see the pins nicely. You could see the fusion nicely, and so on. And the, the name of the operation I had was called a book spinal fusion. And so I just thought, well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what X-rays show. I know what I can do that I couldn't do before. <laughs> Um, and, and that was kind of my story, as it was, until two years ago, or last year, should I say, and Mark and Debbie's not heard this bit, <laughs> uh, when I fell down the stairs at home and landed on my bottom. And um, it hurt, 
and eventually I realised the hurt was lasting too long, so I went to see my GP and he referred me um, for further tests and um, by this time it's all wearing off. And I had a full scan that a radiologist has to look at. And I went back to see the consultant and I c I'm calling him today's consultant, right? And the one 30 years ago, I'm calling the, the then consultant. <laughs> so today's consultant says to me, you told me you'd had a book spinal fusion. And I said, yeah. He said, no, you didn't. And I thought, what? <laughs> he said, no, you didn't. So I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, you told me that you'd had a fusion. I said, y yeah. And he said, well, look at, this, look at this scan then. Well, they don't mean a lot to me. <laughs> so he's um, trying to show me. And uh, I said, well, what am I looking at? And he said, well, there. He said, I said, well, those are the pins. He said, yes, but they're not going anywhere. I said, what do you mean? <laughs> and then he proceeded to tell me that he didn't believe that I'd had a book spinal fusion because there was no sign of any fused bone. He didn't believe that had, I'd had all these facet joints removed because every facet joint was there and present. And so he said, the radiologist's report says that if it were not for two pins, in this lady's back, I would say there's been no surgery on this lady at all. And if it were not for two pins in this lady's back, I would say um, there's never been any problem with this person's spine. This person's spine is very healthy. In fact, it's the spine of a young woman. <laughs> now, this kind of totally threw me because I thought, I don't know what to do because it sounds like He's saying the last guy didn't do his job, and I knew what I knew. Anyway, <coughs> it turned out that the consultant radiologist just happened to be a consultant radiologist that is in our church. And not only that, was at the time my home group leader. <laughs> um, and he said to me, um, next time he saw me, are you okay? You've been to the hospital, haven't you? <laughs> so I said, yes. And he said to me that the pins are not going anywhere. They're not in my back. They're not in the bone. They're just there at the side of the spine. One there and one there. Um, and he said, there is no sign of any movement as if they've ever moved or anything. And this guy um, is an expert for people who put in litigation against the NHS when they've had metalwork put in their body and then it moves or tears or something. He's an expert in reading the scans so that the hospital doesn't get sued. And he said there's absolutely no sign that they've moved in any shape or form. And he says there's absolutely no sign of any bone graft and any, you have got um, all the joints there and all the little facet joints are there. So I went back to my GP and I said, have you got anything or can you find anything from 30 years ago? 
and he found two letters. He only had, he said, I'll give it two weeks. My GP is not in our church now, but was, and he was there on the night that I bent down at the Wimber conference. And he found two letters. This patient received a book spinal fusion, which was blah, 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 performed, and she made a satisfactory post-operative progress. We mobilized her in a polythene jacket and discharged her home on the 12th of March, 85. It says in black and white, she had a book spinal fusion. We also found another letter when I had a fall some years later and I got checked out and the pain kind of gradually wore off at the time. And it kind of a bit of blurb and then it says there was no abnormality found and the x-ray showed the screws and pins to still be in a good position. Okay? Does God do the unreasonable? <laughs> God does the unreasonable. God does the impossible. God does the things that we can't even imagine. And we confine ourselves to reason and understanding. And God wants us to step out of that and trust in him for things that are unreasonable. And I asked God, I said, why has this come to light now? Why didn't I know about this? I don't know when it happened, but it's only been in the last two or three years that that's happened because I had x-rays about five years ago and the pins were in the place and the fusion was still there. And so why did it happen now? And I felt that God said to me, because it's time to start expecting the miraculous. We're going into a time of God doing miraculous things. Now, we, we have an idea. We say we believe God heals. But what I find is people think of that in a kind of psychosomatic way. They think, well, because of our faith, because we feel better, because God lifts us somewhat, then we get better. That, that does happen. But God wants us to believe for something more than that. He wants us to believe for the impossible and the miraculous and that absolutely no way we can do it. That song that finishes, he giveth and giveth and giveth again, had this line about when we get to the end of our resources. Because we can't do it. God can. And those people in the story in Mark 6, it says they brought the people out on pallets and implored him to just touch them. There was faith in those people. Not any kind of sense of we've got to do this or I've got to have something for my friend. But all they thought was all I've got to do is get my friend or my family member in front of him and it will happen. All you've got to do is get in front of God and let him do what he wants to do. All you've got to do is get your friends in front of God and see what he can do. He does the unreasonable. He does the miraculous. And I want us to pray. I want us to pray for the sick. But more than that, I want us to pray for those things that you might think in your head it can't ever happen because it's impossible. So if you think, well, I've been told that I will have this for the rest of my life, well, you don't have to. Who are you going to trust? I was told I'd be in a wheelchair before I'm 40. I'm still 
stood here a lot more than 40. <laughs> and I'm not anywhere near a wheelchair. Who are you going to trust? If you've been told that, well, this is something that you'll just have to put up with, ask God. Ask him. I've got this sense of the, some things. Uh, God sometimes gives people like what we call words of knowledge. And I have got some things that I feel. But if you, in a minute when we have a response time, if you've got any kind of spinal issue, I want to pray for you. And I want anyone who feels that they need healing and particularly those things that you think can't ever happen I want you to think about who you're going to trust and maybe respond and ask for help, ask for prayer I've got a sense of there's somebody here that's there's something that's like maybe behind your ear, some kind of problem with your ear or behind your ear there's something with someone's like sinus area and something, it might be the same thing or a, a separate issue, something at the back of the throat. And then there's um, <coughs> some problem with um, a joint. I'm not sure if it's the, the main hip joint or this joint that goes into the groin. There's a joint problem. And there's someone that's been having... Um, Things coming across your eyesight, like shadows or little things going across your eyes. And that's been a, a, more of an annoyance, but it's a worry for you. I believe God wants to deal with that. And there's someone here that has been investigated for something, and you're very worried about the outcome of those investigations. I don't need to keep doing this, you know. You just need to ask for prayer. So I'm going to ask Mark in a minute to help me, to help you in what we're going to do. But please, if you have any spinal issue, I would like to pray for you. And so I'm going to wander over that corner. But we can all pray for one another, as Mark said. All you need to do is bring your friends to Jesus. He does it, not us. <coughs> that night, who, who prayed for me? Pe lots of people prayed for me, but when did it start happening? The minute I walked in the building, no one had prayed for me at that time. He did it. And all those people around me were disabled, the people that prayed. He did it. So let's expect him to do things. Let's ask him to make something evident amongst us of our faith. Let's move into that realm of experiencing our faith experiencing the God who does the impossible all right well, what we're going to do 
if we can have the worship band come back up because it would be good to just have some music playing and we'll <coughs> get into a, a frame of mind of worship because we're coming to God and this could get a little messy so that's okay doesn't matter if you would like to respond to any of those words of knowledge or anything about backs or you just think, I, I, I believe I would need to get prayed for this morning for healing, then I'm going to invite you to come out. And I don't know how many people there's going to be. So, <laughs> so some can come out this side, especially if, if anything that Ginny said relates to you. Some can come out this side. And then some of you just might feel that for whatever reason, you, don't, you just don't want to come out. And that's fine, because um, we're going to have people coming out and praying for the people out here. If you regularly pray with us, or you've been with us for a while, and you, that's, that's fine, you come out. If you, want, if you just feel you want to pray for someone, and you're regularly with us, come and do that um, as well. And we'll just have different people gathering around. And we're just going to look to see what God wants to do. If you don't want to come out, but you want to receive healing, then maybe you just want to say to your friend who's sitting next to you, will you pray for me? And that's okay too. That doesn't matter.